following is a continuation in our series looking at the lies that Satan tells us. We hope you enjoy. Continuing the series on the lies that Satan tells us, and tonight we're going to look at this lie that Satan tells us that God is not with me because I don't hear him or feel him. So let me open our time in prayer, and then we'll jump in and read some scriptures together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we can come together, Lord, and to glean from your scriptures. Father, we ask that you would teach us. Lord, that you would help us to understand that you are near even when we don't feel it. And I just ask that you would be with all of us tonight, Lord, as we wrestle with this idea of distance from you and and how that's just not true, Lord, because if we are one with you, then you never leave us. And we just pray that that would be a reality that sets in force. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 2. We're going to spend a little bit of time looking at a passage from Mark chapter 2. But before we get to that, I want to just kind of set up this topic tonight by giving you a little illustration. So sometimes in the military, there's situations where individuals are being led by someone who's miles and miles away. So it could be somebody who's looking at a computer screen, looking at satellite imagery, or someone in a helicopter looking down, telling people where to go. And in this case, the one who has the answers, the one who is directing, is not actually present. And they're not there, and it can feel distant, but it involves a lot of trust. And oftentimes we can associate trust with presence. I can trust that person because they're here with me. Or I can trust this person because I know that they've gone through this before and they can help me. So there's this comforting feeling that we have from people when they are with us. Uh, it could be as simple as knowing someone's love by their physical or emotional effect, simply by their presence around you. I love my wife when she's not around, but I feel that love even more vividly when she's standing next to me. So distance can do a funny thing to us, like that person in the military trusting someone who's far away. It it can feel hard to trust, right, when we don't have somebody with us. It can often feel like uh, people are pushing away from us when they're not near, like they don't care about us when they're actually far away from us. Satan wants us to take that same feeling and apply it to our relationship with God. That's what we're going to press in on tonight. So our main point for tonight is that God is present with us even when we feel like he's far off. So we're going to be using a term that I made up, and I think it's a helpful term, but it's this term perceived distance. So we're going to be talking a lot about perceived distance tonight. So let's turn to Mark chapter 2. Verses 18 to 20. I hope that this passage gives us some perspective on the reality that distance can create in our lives. So, let's turn to Mark chapter 2. Would somebody like to read verses 18 to 20 for me? Alright, go ahead. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guest bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and on that day they will fast. So again, this passage hopefully gives a little bit of perspective on the reality that distance can create in our lives. So, these Pharisees were complaining that the disciples weren't fasting. Okay? But the reality is that for the disciples... 
to fast made absolutely no sense. And why? We see that in verse 19. Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The question that Jesus is posting them here is that why would they fast when it's a time to celebrate, right? The Messiah is with them. Jesus is physically with them, and they get it. Like, they understand that Jesus is with them, and that's a beautiful thing. And when these Pharisees come along, they're like, well, why aren't they fasting? This doesn't make any sense. They need to be doing all the things that we're doing. They need to be doing all these extra holy things that we're doing. But Jesus is saying, there's a time to fast and there's time not to fast. And when you're at a wedding, who here has been to a wedding? You all been to weddings? Weddings are fun, right? It's a time of celebration, right? It's time to party. Time to eat good food and, and to dance and to have fun. Jesus is saying there is a time to mourn and there's a time to celebrate and this is the time to celebrate. They are with me, right? He says that there will be a time when they do have to fast. Even right there we see this picture of Jesus saying, yeah, there's a time that I won't be with you and it's going to feel different, right? It's going to feel different. There's going to be times where you don't feel like I'm present with you even though I am. So Jesus is telling us here that, yeah, I think it's safe for us to say that these men, these disciples, knew Jesus better than anyone else. They saw the significance of Jesus physically being with them, and they celebrated because of it. It doesn't mean that life was easy for them, but it meant that Jesus was right there. So they had no choice but to feel his presence. But like it says in verse 20, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast in that day. So he sets forth this reality that most people in history, including you and I, are going to experience that Jesus is no longer physically here on this earth. Okay? And until we see him again, we're fasting in a sense. Have any of y'all ever fasted before? Is fasting easy? Is it fun? Who here loves food? I love food. Fasting is not an easy thing for me. But this is actually a really cool illustration for us. Because when we fast, what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves of our need of God's love and provision. So we can find comfort in that because it means that we never have to feel distant from God because he's right there with us as we fast. So even though there's that feeling of distance between us and God, this whole picture of fasting shows us that God draws near to us. He reminds us of his love. He reminds us of his presence, especially in those moments where we feel like he's so far away. So what might be some ways that we feel distant from God? Like what might be some ways or reasons that we feel like there's this perceived distance between us and God. Some reasons in our lives that we can say, well, God's just not near me right now, or I don't feel very close to him. Well, if a very important prayer is not answered the way you want it to be. Okay. What do you mean by that? Well, like, if you pray very hard that a loved one's not going to die, for example... But they still do. Mm-hmm. And then you get mad at Okay. Yeah. You can have some expectations or some demands to God that don't go your way. And because of that, you feel like there's distance. Okay. Can our sin cause distance between us and God? Yeah. Like, if we're living in blatant sin, then we're going to be missing out on what God's doing in our life, right? We need to remember that God no longer speaks to us physically, but he speaks to us through his word. And... We really should not be surprised when we feel distant from God when we never actually go to his word. And I know that's like such a like a Sunday school answer, 
it's such a churchy answer for us that like we need to be in our Bibles and in the scriptures. But really, we should not be surprised when we feel like this chasm between us and God, when we're not going to the one place that he speaks to us. We should also not be surprised when we feel distant from God, when there's active, blatant sin that's blinding us to our need of him. There can also be a felt distance through just the day-to-day exhaustion of life living out in a sinful world. We may feel distant because it may simply be a hard day or it's difficult for you to wrap your head around the next five minutes, let alone something as huge as the presence of God. But what the scriptures do remind us of is a very fancy theological term called omnipresence. Have you all ever heard that word? That God is omnipresent? Okay. So what do you think that means? He's always there. Yeah, so the word omni, all, all-encompassing, present. He's there. He is present in all spaces at all times, and he lives outside of the realm of time and space. So like, it, it's not even like a question for him. He has to be everywhere at one time because he is God. And we need to understand that the way we might feel through our understanding of God's presence may may be tainted by our finite state. So, like, we can't even understand what it means to be in all places at all times. But God can. So to say that God is omnipresent is to say that he's everywhere. And this, again, is hard for us to imagine. But he knows all. He can be all in all places. And here's where Satan tries to get a foothold in our minds. You know, God's presence is it's continuous throughout all creation. But at the same time, it may not also be revealed in the same way at the same time to people everywhere. So at times, it may appear like God is actively present in the situations, while in others, it may appear as if he's not. And this is why so many of the Psalms, and we're actually going to spend some time in Psalm 13 in small groups. This is why so many of the Psalms were written out of deeply felt emotional spaces. But the truth is that any distance that we feel is, again, this idea of perceived distance. And if Satan can get you to see it as more than just a perceived distance, then he's going to tell you this. If God really loved you, then you would feel him right now. Or if God really cared, he would make sure that you heard him or knew exactly what he wanted for your life. That's right where Satan wants us. That's the lie that he wants us to believe. And we really need to think about this whole perception thing. We spent a whole semester a year ago going through emotions, and I hope it was helpful for y'all. One thing I really tried to press in during that study was just this idea that emotions are not a bad thing, but they can easily become a bad thing if we use them the wrong way. So let me ask you this question. Why might our emotions not be the best gauge for us to base our perception on closeness to God on? Okay, yeah. Also, you might just, like, be having a bad day. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with God's presence. It's very not the same thing. And sometimes, yeah, like, you might just, like, be really hungry or something. <laughs> and you think that means God's not with you. It's just your circumstances at the moment, but that isn't You know, I never actually thought about that. Like, being hangry might be a reason why I don't feel God's presence in a moment. That could easily get in the way. A good reminder, our emotions are God-given, but they're tainted by our sinful nature. Just like Hannah was saying, they're not trustworthy because we we approach them in ways that aren't holy. We can have joyous moments and we can emphasize joy in our life, but our joy, like our total joy, has been affected by sin. 
or you can take any emotion. Uh, all of a sudden, something good like passion can quickly turn into rage or greed. Or things like joy and happiness are now found in things that truly don't bring us lasting joy. So we see ourselves using things like love to cause betrayal and jealousy. Our emotions live in the moment, and that's why we shouldn't base our understanding on how close God is on our emotions. Because in a moment we can feel like God is so close because we feel something, right? And in the next moment, like we get disappointed and then boom, it's like, polar opposite end of the spectrum at that point. I want to read a quote to you from C.S. Lewis. This was written in one of his books that he wrote right after his wife died. It's called A Grief Observed. And I actually really like this book because it, it's kind of a, like a walking through the stages of grief that he walked through and like this was his emotional state. He says, Meanwhile, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms that I feel right now. When you're happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing him, so happy that you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption. But if you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all your other help is in vain. What do you find? This is what I found. I found a door slammed in my face and a sound of a bolt being closed and double bolting on the other side. And after that silence, I might as well have turned away. And the longer I waited, the more emphatic the silence became. There are no lights in the windows. So, like, there's this, like, absolute desperation that he was feeling in a moment of absolute grief where he felt like God was slamming a door in his face and was saying, I'm not going to be with you right now. And that's the problem with our emotions, right? When we go through something as traumatic as grief, Obviously, that's going to affect a lot of things that we interpret as we're looking to relationships, looking to experiences. Our emotions are going to hugely play into those things, and that's where we have to just be mindful and and careful of. His emotions gave him this perceived distance between himself and God. And Satan tries to use our emotions to get us to believe things that are contrary to the Scriptures. The Bible reminds us in so many places that God is always near and never leaves his people. Like we talked about earlier, omnipresence. God is everywhere at all times. But his presence for the believer is going to be far different than it is for the unbeliever. For those who have been called by him, God dwells inside of them. Yes, he's with unbelievers too, but his presence within his people is vastly different than it is in anything else. In fact, when Matthew writes in, in Matthew one twenty three, the angel that's talking to Joseph uses the name Emmanuel. And what does the name Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. So when Jesus came to dwell within his people, he is physically with us even when we don't feel it. Uh, and that's a presence that can never be broken or taken away. This is the promise that if you have faith in Christ alone for salvation, that Christ is always going to be with you. Remember what he promised to us in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 20. He said, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So why would we think that God is not present when the scriptures clearly tell us otherwise? Well, because we're more prone to filtering our experiences through feeling than reality. And... I think this is, tonight's a a good exercise for us to remember that we may feel distant from God, but 
he has promised over and over that he is right there with us. After the crucifixion, the disciples were absolutely terrified, right? Why? Because Jesus was not with them anymore. Okay? Where did they go? They went and hid in a dark room. And should this have been a surprise? No, because Jesus told them quite often that this was going to happen. In fact, on multiple occasions, he told them, I'm going to be going away, I'm going to die, and you're going to be without me for a while. But for some reason, they just, you know, were like, yeah, whatever, Jesus, right? <laughs> That's not going to happen. But here they are, like they're terrified. Their reality was rocked. The Christ who was physically present with them in the day in, day out was now gone. And because he was gone, they went into hiding. Does this response sound familiar? I think we do this too, right? Like, we know that Jesus died for us. We know that he's in heaven. But like the fact that we may not feel him in a moment, we go back to a sinful response. And this ties back into earlier we talked about the disciples didn't need to fast when Jesus was with them. This is the time that we are quote-unquote fasting. But again, fasting is always meant to be a reminder that God loves us. He provides for us. So as we're waiting, we can find comfort and freedom from that perceived distance from God. We can find comfort and freedom from feeling like God is so far away by going to his scriptures. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5.7. We're going to end with this real quick. So 2 Corinthians 5.7. Very short verse, but a very good one. And this is the main application for tonight. Would anybody like to read that for me? 2 Corinthians 5.7. For we live by faith, not by sight. Yeah. Or other translations say we walk by faith and not by sight. Both of those are good. One writer, he wrote this, We must learn to trust God's promises more than we trust our own perceptions. I think most of the time we would rather trust ourselves than others because we feel like we can do things better or like we feel like we'll, we won't let ourselves down. When it comes to trusting God, we need to learn to trust his promises more than we trust our own experiences, our own feelings. Because if you look right before this verse in 2 Corinthians, we're reminded of the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would indwell us. The Spirit's a guarantee of God's presence with us. Walking by faith is not easy. Walking by sight is so much easier for us. Like It's so much easier to walk when we can see what's in front of us. But if we're walking blindly, like kind of going back to that military illustration from earlier, if if we're being directed from a place that's so far away, like God is up in heaven, he's guiding us each and every day, that distance can feel overwhelming. But we're called to follow even when we don't understand. It means following when we feel disconnected. It means listening when we don't hear. It means looking to the scriptures when we don't understand. And it means remembering that God has promised to never let us go. And even though our feeble hearts and minds may feel distant, this is anything but the case. So, that's what I would like us to think about tonight, what I want us to dwell on tonight. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll break into small groups. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these students, Lord, coming on to learn more about you. I do pray that as we wrestle with this idea of perceived distance, Lord, that you would Remind us of how close you are. Remind us of how good you are. And we praise in Christ's holy and wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. 
Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYM.